Welcome to episode 87 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, you have one hour to teach half a dozen 12 to 13 year old Boy Scouts a handful of backpacking basics. Where to begin? Then on the Summit Gear Review, a day pack that has the potential to fit a few extras for an overnight out and back. On today's backpack hack of the week, a little variety goes a long way, and we'll show you the best place to stock up on a load of trailworthy snacks. Then we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Sheridan Anderson. All this, and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. Well, not too long ago, Josh and I got to play Scoutmaster for a day. So our local Scoutmaster asked us if we could come in and teach the Scouts some backpacking basics. The Scoutmaster is the leader over the Boy Scouts. He mentors the Scouts. He watches for teaching opportunities. He lives the Scout oath, law, and motto, helps the boys plan activities. Then he typically accompanies the boys on monthly backpacking trips. And in the Boy Scouts, they have this concept of shadow leadership, where the troop is really led by the youth, the Scouts. And so there's a senior patrol leader and a patrol leader. And these guys are supposed to be leading the scout meetings and, you know, leading their troop. And then the scoutmaster provides this, you know, what's sometimes referred to as shadow leadership, where he, he kind of guides the youth leaders along the right path and helps them figure out and learn how to lead. And this happened uh, in the sense that a few months ago, the troop had a planning meeting to figure out kind of the overall themes that they would focus on for each month over the next several months. And each boy, or one or two boys, became responsible for the theme for a month. And uh, so one of the months was backpacking, and our son was one of the boys that was responsible for putting together that month. And so one of the things that he was supposed to do was to invite us to come talk to the troop about backpacking, which he did. But the scoutmaster, performing shadow leadership, in the background, the scoutmaster talked to us and said, here's what I think would be good to teach the boys. And I think another important element of scouts is that it's a lot of hands-on learning. There's not a lot of book learning. I mean, even though they have a a Boy Scout handbook, everything that they do is outdoors, hands-on, you know, wandering around the trails, getting dirty, lifting up rocks, you know, doing all those active things. But there are a few times where you just need to kind of run through the information. I'm the Merit Badge Counselor for the Family Living Merit Badge, and so about a year ago, I taught the Scouts And honestly, it was a little bit more than I could handle. You know, they all had something important to say, so we tried to include everyone, but it was was a little bit uh, stressful. You came home kind of frazzled that (laughs) night, and you were just like, man, I, I put all this effort into it. I tried to be really creative, and these boys were just bouncing off the walls. 
Yeah, they had a lot to say. They really did. And so <laughs> when we were asked to present on the backpacking merit badge, you know, it's about a year later. Mm -hmm. uh, you went into this with some trepidation, I guess. I mean, you weren't really looking forward to spending a lot of time preparing for this because in the back of your mind, you're thinking they're not even going to pay attention anyway. That's exactly how I felt. And I love talking about backpacking. I think it's so fun because once you kind of have those basic skills, then you can go out and do it. The boys are great. I mean, I love their energy. I love their enthusiasm. And we did have a lot of fun while we were doing the Family Living Merit Badge. And the thing that makes family living different from backpacking is that family living happens to be one of those merit badges where it's a lot of talking and talking about things that boys don't really want to talk about, as opposed to backpacking, which is like, okay, let's do it. Let's, you know, we talked about, you know, water treatment, and then we did some water treatment, and they just thought it was the most fun thing in the world. Yeah, so I'm glad we did it, and it really was, uh, it was a great experience this time. And like you say, backpacking is a lot more hands-on than talking about relationships and <laughs> stuff like that. And, so. you know, the group of boys that we had this time was smaller. 14 boys is a lot of boys. But this, I think we had about eight boys. And they were a year older than they were the previous year. And it's amazing at that age, like, say, you know, eight to about 15, 16, what a difference a year makes. Oh, yeah. It seems like every year between those ages, they double in maturity. It's incredible. Yeah. So those of you with boys that are that age, take heart, have hope, it gets better. Yeah. So we had a great time. And uh, so as we mentioned, uh, in in performing this shadow leadership, the scoutmaster behind the scenes talked with us about the details a little bit, even though our son was the one who was tasked with inviting us and scheduling us to present. And so we asked him, well, what are the top five things <laughs> <laughs> that we should teach the scouts? Because we knew five would be a great number, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> and that we'd be able to share what we taught on this podcast. How about that? So this was an hour long meeting. And the whole purpose of this meeting wasn't to get the boys their backpacking merit badge, but it was designed to be a quick backpacking primer. Just scratch the surface a little bit as an intro to the backpacking merit badge. So we did tick off some of the requirements. But we didn't try to tackle the entire merit badge in one right. night. Right. Yeah. It's meant to take a little bit longer than just one hour. So much of what the scouts learn is by doing. And so we tried to do as many hands-on activities as we could. So today's top five list is the top five things that the scoutmaster asked us to teach the scouts about backpacking. And the number one thing he asked us to teach was about the 10 essentials. So we gave each of the boys a piece of paper and a pencil and we had them write down what they thought the 10 essentials were. And then when they were done writing down their lists, we had them share their lists and we wrote down the ones that were correct, that were on the official 10 essentials list. And they all got to figure out how many of the 10 they got right. I was really impressed, actually. We thought we would get some weird, funny answers that maybe we could share on our show today. There were no weird, funny answers. I mean, not like cat food or... Toilet yeah. scrubber, I don't know. Yeah, a lot of the answers that weren't on the list were at least in the same vein. You know, uh, for example, you might have an emergency blanket as something on the 10 essentials list. And one of the scouts wrote down a tent. Well, yeah, a tent would fulfill the purpose. It'd be very large to put in your 10 essentials kit, but it would help. You know, that they were on track. They really, they were thinking through it really well. 
and it gave us the opportunity to say, well, why would you need a space blanket or an emergency blanket in your tent essentials and a tent? Like, what's the benefit of bringing that backup? Part of the merit badge requirement was to have the boys describe 10 ways to limit weight and bulk without jeopardizing your health and safety. I think that is such an important question that we can all ask before we go out. What are things that I can pare down? What can I leave behind without jeopardizing my health and safety? That's a really great exercise to go through. The second thing the Scoutmaster asked us to teach the Scouts about was the principles of leave no trace. And there's a lot in there. So we really kind of focused on cat holes. I mean, what 12-year-old boy is not going to enjoy this discussion? Right. It's great. So we taught them a little trick. Um, It goes like this. Two, four, six, eight. I'm not going to say the rest of it because it's just gross. That was the best part? That was the best part. Come on. Okay. Well, when I said it to the boys, they were like, why did you say that so hesitantly? Why did you pause before you said that last part? Are you embarrassed to talk about poop? I was like, um, yeah, because we don't talk about this when the girls hang out. We just don't. You're going to make me say it? Uh-huh. Okay, it goes like this. Two, four, six, eight. Where's the place we defecate? Cat holes, cat holes. Yay, cat holes. That's the little cheer that you do right before you go to the bathroom. <laughs> okay, but the two, four, six, eight is the important part. So the two stands for 200 feet from water, trails, or camp. Four stands for the four inches um, in diameter for the size of the cat hole. And then six, eight stands for six to eight inches deep. So two, four, six, eight. You can do the rest of the cheer at home <laughs> after the podcast. Oh, uh, the boys really uh, got you on that one. They really did. <laughs> I was not excited about saying that little cheer, but... They had no problem saying it. No, they, they <laughs> thought it was just great. So, you know, I was just thinking, why is... LNT or leave no trace, something that the scoutmaster thought was important for us to teach the scouts. I can tell you why. Because (laughs) they don't practice it at home. (laughs) Good point. They leave abundant traces. Yes. All over the house. (laughs) So if they're not practicing leave no trace at home, then they're not going to be practicing it out in the woods. So, you know, it's important for them to practice it out in the woods. And hopefully some of that concept, that idea will trickle down into their everyday lives. Yeah, yeah, I sure hope so. (laughs) I know my mom always said, no visible evidence. Because I would be like, oh, mom, can I make some brownies? And she would say, sure, just no visible evidence. I want to come into the kitchen and not even know that you had just made a batch of brownies. The third thing that the Scoutmaster asked us to share with the Scouts was water treatment. Now, this one was a lot of fun because we grabbed a couple pitchers of water from the kitchen and filled them up. And, you know, because we've been doing this podcast, I guess, and also because we go backpacking, we have like half a dozen forms of water treatment. And so uh, I took two. I took the vapor microfilter and I took my uh, Katadin Hiker water filter. And what did you have with your group? I had the Sawyer Mini, the Aquamira Drops, and the SteriPen. So with my group, I had four boys at my table, and so I split them into pairs, and uh, one pair got to figure out the vapor microfilter, which is pretty easy. And the other pair got to figure out the Katadyne Hiker water filter, you know, putting the right tube on the right place, 
understanding the red cap, which means this is where the clean water comes out and you need to keep it clean and sterile, you know, and how not to mix the sterile tube with the tube that goes into the water source, all that stuff. And then I had him switch and try the other device. And in our group, we actually talked about the cost of the different water treatments because we had this SteriPen that's a $100 purchase. We had the Aquamira Drops that are about $12. And then we had the Sawyer Mini, which is about $20. And so I asked the boys, you know, which one is the most fun to use? And they all love the SteriPen. I mean, that's just, that's what we did most of the time. We just stirred water with the SteriPen. <laughs> it was great. But then we talked about how much that costs. And um, like if the boys had to spend their own money, which one would they probably buy? And that was a really important conversation to have because they're just getting started in backpacking and they're trying to not stress their parents out too much with that initial purchase of the backpack. But then also all these other little things that end up getting tagged on. You know, money as we talked about in our last episode, is a real consideration when you're beginning to build up your backpacking gear. So I felt like that was a really important discussion that we had uh, in our little water treatment group. The number four thing that the Scoutmaster asked us to teach the boys was about stoves and cooking. And of course, I mean, you could spend multiple troop meetings talking about cooking, but we decided to focus on different types of stoves. I brought the more conventional modern stoves, I guess you could say. So for my group, I brought our jet boil, and I also brought the Soto Windmaster stove, which is this tiny little stove. I mean, it's pretty impressive. And so again, each pair of boys got to figure out how to assemble the stove. And once they had assembled it, then I had them figure out how to disassemble it. Now, the Soto is really easy. Um, the jet boil is this really cool stove, but then when you go to disassemble it, you have to figure out how to get it all back inside of the canister. So that was a lot of fun for them to just try to figure out how to put those stoves together and then how to take them back apart. And I had more alternative stoves. I brought the Solo stove, which is a secondary combustion stove or a wood-burning stove, but it also burns the smoke that comes back up. It's like the smoke is downdrafted and then updrafted. <laughs> it's a great stove. And then I also brought the alcohol stove, the little cat food can stove, and the Emberlit Fire Ant stove, which is also another wood-burning stove. So while we weren't able to actually light the stoves inside the church, we still were able to put them together and talk about their different purposes and where you'd be able to use these certain kinds of stoves. As I think about it, I think we've reviewed nearly all of these stoves uh, that we just mentioned on past episodes of the podcast. So if you go to the website at thefirst40miles.com, you can just do a search for stove and it'll bring up those episodes. It was really fun. As we wrapped up this section about stoves and cooking, I pulled out something that's not a stove. And it's not used for cooking, but it's a really fun, interesting option, especially for scouts and especially for scouts that you don't trust with fire or stoves. <laughs> and it's the Emergency Essentials Hydro Heat, and it uses these little quick lime packets. And it's a safe way to heat up your food. In fact, the whole packet is completely biodegradable. So you use it, it heats up your food. In fact, it keeps it hot for like half an hour. And the scouts really liked using the hydro heat because you have this little packet of quick lime. You add maybe a half cup of water and then you seal the container shut and all of a sudden it starts bubbling and spewing out steam. And it's kind of this really exciting reaction. 
Kind of like a mini volcano. Yeah, it was really cool. So even though it's technically not a stove, I think the hydro heat is a good option for scouts. And I'll put that link in the show notes so you can check it out. And did they get to eat the food? They did. So I would say that would be one of the reasons the boys loved it. They got (laughs) food. They got food. (laughs) The number five thing the Scoutmaster asked us to teach the scouts was about adjusting their backpack. Now, we had pretty much used up our hour by the time we got to this fifth one. Uh, We were packing a lot in. But we brought several backpacks of lots of different styles. And uh, before we went to the meeting, I grabbed some of our food storage, you know, bags of wheat and cans of rice and stuff and loaded them up. So all of these packs had, I think, between 20 and 30 pounds of weight in them. Then we just had the boys practice putting them on and showed them the main adjustment points. You know, you've got the shoulder straps, the hip belt, but then you also have those uh, adjustment straps between the shoulder strap and the pack and between the hip belt and the pack that will affect how closely the pack rides to your back. So we showed them all of those points, plus the sternum strap. And they got to compare different packs, you know, something like the Gregory Wander, which is a a youth-style pack. So the Deuter Act Lite, that's the one that I use, but it's fairly adjustable. And then even a, a Hyperlite Mountain Gear pack that's under two pounds, I think. A really lightweight pack. Of course, it has a little less structure, you know, when you start getting a 20 to 30 pound load in it. And they got to feel the difference between those packs. And of course, if you want information to really stick with the boys, you have to feed them food. Something about learning and food go together. And so we wrapped up the meeting by giving the boys stinger waffles, which is a really great backpacking treat because it's 160 calories an ounce. So I'm curious, Josh, if you could add one more thing to the list of things that we talked about. If we had five more minutes and you could just share one last thing with the scouts, what would it be? Uh, If we had an extra half hour... (laughs) I would share shelter and sleeping systems. That'd be a ton of fun to take them outside with a handful of different backpacking tents. You know, they have the ones that their scout troop owns. Actually, they're not backpacking tents. They're these Coleman Instant Up tents that weigh, you know, 10, 15 pounds apiece. And so it'd be fun to expose them to all these different backpacking tents and hammocks as well and talk about pads and sleeping bags and get that whole system, you know, show them how it all works together. For today's Summit Gear Review, we will be reviewing the Thule Stir 35-liter day pack. You're probably familiar with the Thule brand. It's T-H-U-L-E. It's the brand that's famous for its car top carriers, and they have leapt into the world of backpacking and packs. They do a really good job of getting you to the parking lot, so they probably have what it takes to keep your gear secure on the trail. This is a 35 liter day pack, and I really felt like the features on this pack are just a sampling of the features that Thule has already built into their larger packs, the ones that you would actually take backpacking. And compared with other day packs, it's really a more long and slender pack. It doesn't have a lot of those side pockets and pouches. It's really sleek looking. And 35 liters is a great size for a day pack. Not only can it hold your 10 essentials, but it can also hold rain gear, a change of clothing, food, and two liters of water. Plus, this one has a hydration sleeve. The pack is made of elastin-coated 210 denier robic, which is a type of material that's nylon, but it's highly abrasion resistant, which means this pack is designed to hold up to years of use. It's really designed for rough conditions. 
The pack also has some spots where there's 70 denier nylon, but those aren't the parts that are on the exterior. That's more like where you would cinch it down on the top. And just by looking at the pack, you can tell the difference between the two different materials that are used. And even though this is just a day pack, it comes with torso adjustability, which is really kind of a rare feature in a day pack. It's something that we've started to see more of in backpacks, but uh, in a day pack, that's really unique. So instead of buying the pack for your specific size, you know, your torso length, all you do is adjust the torso length by unvelcroing the shoulder straps and sliding them to the correct size. And if you lift up the shoulder straps, you can see there's numbers underneath there, so you can get it to your exact torso size. And you still do need to know your torso size, which you can easily find by measuring from the bumpiest bump at the back of your neck to the very top of your hip bones. And uh, just imagine where you put your hand when you're about to give someone a piece of your mind <laughs> or where you posed your hands back in the 80s for school pictures. That's the bottom of your torso. So if you can measure from the bump down to where you put your hands, that's your torso length. This pack comes with a waterproof pack cover that covers the top three-fourths of the pack, and it secures on really well. There's some little toggles that you can strap the waterproof pack cover onto so it won't just blow off. The material that makes up a bulk of the pack is already waterproof, so really the pack cover is designed to keep water from dripping into the pack openings or in through the zippers. So if you look at this pack, it almost looks like a traditional 65-liter backpack that just got shrinky-dinked down because it comes with all those features that you would expect in a larger pack. So it has a hip belt and it's removable, which is great for a day pack because you don't always need the hip belt. It has a sternum strap, shoulder strap, and load lifter straps. So it looks like it would be a great pack for carrying heavy loads. The only thing that kind of doesn't make it great for carrying truly heavy loads is that the hip belt is not designed to carry large amounts of weight. There's no padding there. There's no support that you would get if you got a larger pack that was designed for carrying heavy weight. Another interesting thing about this pack that you might see in larger packs is that it has side access. Now, there are some packs out there, like larger packs, where you can unzip the entire side, almost duffel bag style, so that you have horizontal access to your pack instead of just getting things through the top. This pack tries to be like that, except the zipper only goes about nine inches. So it's almost enough to be helpful, but it might be a feature that doesn't really benefit in the same way that the zipper would on a larger pack. And the zipper is way over on the very side, right next to the frame, which is another interesting thing. Um, almost no day packs have frames in them. You know, those are usually for the larger packs. But this does have a frame. I, I don't know if it's aluminum or what, but it's, it's a, a small diameter tubing. And because that side zipper access is right next to the frame, it means that when you try to, you know, zip it open and then kind of pry open that opening, well, one side of that opening is not going to move because it's attached to the frame. And so you get just a limited amount of opening there to kind of slip your hand inside the pack. Yeah, so it's a feature that I didn't feel was really helpful on a small pack, but would definitely be helpful on a large pack. 
The interior of the pack has eight and a half by five and a half mesh bag at the very top. And that's the place where you're going to put your keys, your wallet, etc. And besides the hydration pouch, that's the only compartmentalized area in the interior of this pack. The outside of the pack has a long, narrow pouch that snaps shut with one snap. And this is a great place to store a light jacket. The outside of the Thule Stir 35 also has tons of tabs, loops, and straps that make this pack a good candidate for a quick overnight pack because there are lots of places to strap on extra gear like a sleeping pad or even half of a two-man tent. And one of the reasons that I wanted to review the Thule Stir 35 is because I believe that most of us have the time to get out on fairly frequent day hikes at least a lot more frequently than backpacking trips. So this is a great size of pack for day hikes and it has some nice features built into it. And it's small enough that you won't feel conspicuous, but it's large enough and has enough external storage options, like all those extra tabs and loops and things, that there's a good chance that you could use it on a short overnight trip. We've talked about all the similarities between this pack and a larger backpacking pack, you know, to, to the point that it almost seems like they just shrunk the larger packs. Um, there are a couple key differences, I think. One is in the suspension. It's got all of the same suspension components, the hip belt, the shoulder straps, the sternum strap, the adjustable torso. However, all of those components are lighter weight than what you'll find on a full-size pack. The hip belt, you know, it's more than just the piece of webbing but not much more. And so you'll be able to transfer some weight onto that hip belt. But if you load this up with 30 or 40 pounds, it's not going to work out very well uh, to have that much weight on the hip belt. Yeah, you'll feel it after a quarter mile. You'll be wishing that you had some padding there. And the other difference I saw is that it doesn't have a top lid like most full-size packs have. It opens at the top and it has this kind of cinch it's almost like if you took your full-size pack and you took off the top lid, then that's what this pack is like. And that has a flap that covers it, so it's not just an open hole there. But no storage within that flap. Exactly. This pack comes in a couple colors for women and a couple colors for men. I call these colors teal and orange, or black and orange. Thule calls them Rorange, and the teal is Fjord, and the black is Dark Shadow. I love it. For mass, this bag is about 22 and a half inches by 11 inches by about 11 and a half inches. And it weighs in at two pounds and two ounces. That's exactly a kilo. As far as maintenance goes, I would recommend hand cleaning this or washing by hand, uh, maybe in a bathtub with a little bit of unscented soapy water. Just don't throw it in the wash. Well, with that internal frame, it's just not gonna, it's gonna like get stuck sideways in your washing machine. And... It'll be awkward yeah. and... Eh. For investment, this comes in at $140 for men's or women's, but while searching around this week, I found it for $110 at several online retailers, so it'll be easy to find a good deal on this bag. And it comes with a limited lifetime warranty. So like you said, you're thinking, I mean, the reason that you wanted to review this pack as opposed to the full-size Thule backpacking packs was that you feel like this is a pack that someone could use day-to-day you know, just, I mean, going about town or whatever, and it could transition to day hiking on a trail. And it could even transition to quick overnight trips because it's got enough attachment points that you can strap some stuff on the outside. 
I would say the only thing that really prevents it from taking you further down the trail is that there's just no padding in the hips. And you're going to feel that after, like I said, a quarter mile. And, you know, it does have all those strap-on points for things, but you're just not going to want to carry a lot of weight in this pack. So as you've put this pack through its paces, what has your experience been like? Well, there's some things that I liked. I like that the top flap is secured with just a hook and that hooks into one of the four tabs that are kind of at the base of your neck. So it's really easy to open and close. And that's something that I kind of wrestle with every time I use my full size pack um, is, you know, you have to unclip, unclip, flip back, uncinch. So I like that it's really a simple opening. And then under the lid, that main compartment is secured with a simple drawstring closure. And when I say simple drawstring closure, this is actually a drawstring closure that does need a little bit of coaching because to close the bag, yeah, you pull the drawstring closed. That's really easy. But then to open the bag, you have to hold on to the tab that's keeping the drawstring secure and you pull the tab and that loosens up the grip that that tab has on the drawstring. It's not something that's really easy to explain, but once you uh, once you give it a try, it's, it's a lot simpler than it sounds. And it keeps the bag secure, and that's what's important. So you've now taken this on some day hikes, and, uh, and then I think you've just taken it other places as well. Been on some urban adventures with it. How has it worked out in kind of filling that transition role of, of being like an in-town pack plus a hiking trail pack? I think it works really well as a hiking trail pack. I've used it in town a lot. And one of the things that I've noticed is because it's such a long, slender pack, things end up getting lost down there. And there are upsides to it being long and slender. And that's that it really narrows your profile. If you do wear it around town, you're not going to be knocking people over with it. And it's going to, it's just going to look a little less conspicuous. However, the downside to it being long and slender is that it is cavernous. And so when you put library books down there or, you know, whatever, if you're just using it around town, then you may end up with things kind of getting lost. But this isn't a problem when you're just on the trail, when you have everything in stuff sacks. You know, I was really intrigued when Thule jumped into pack making because they do this other thing really well, all their car top carriers, and then they jumped into pack making. And so it was fun to see where they went you know, kind of reinventing or putting all these ideas into packs, jumping off from where other pack makers have gone and to see what other innovation they've put into packs. So I feel like the Thule Stir 35 is extremely rugged, completely adjustable, and has enough features to accommodate a really low impact, lightweight, short and sweet backpacking trip or a full day of day hiking. For today's backpack hack of the week, bulk foods for budget backpacking. And we talked a little bit about budgets last week, and we're still on the budget train this week, all aboard. Bulk foods are awesome because it means that you can buy just a little bit of a food and not be stuck with a huge Costco-sized bag of food. So a lot of times if you go into the bulk section of your local grocery store, you can find Sunridge Farms bulk foods. They sell to a lot of natural food stores and stores that sell bulk foods. So they're really easy to find. But the reason I wanted to point them out is because they have some really great snacky type things that are pretty much natural and a lot of times organic. So some of the things that we've tried are the Thai curry cashews 
which I loved those the most. Those were my favorite. And number two was the sea salt and apple cider vinegar almonds. And that's something that you could snack on or serve on top of like a chicken and rice kind of meal. Another one of the things that we tried were the hatch green chili cashews. Those are good. They just have like this huge variety. So if you can find a bulk food distributor in your area, then it will open up your eyes to the amazing variety of snacks that are available. We also have a grocery store not too far from us, and they sell things like dehydrated refried beans and bulk drink mixes and cheese powder. So if you go to the bulk food section and just kind of wander and start planning your backpacking menu, you can find some really great items to take on your next trip. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Baron Von Mabel. Or should we say, Sheridan Anderson? Who is it? I think his real name is Sheridan Anderson, but he wrote a book called Baron Von Mabel's Backpacking. It's like a comic book for kids who want to learn outdoor skills. It's like 100 pages long. It's out of print, and you can find used copies on Amazon. Sheridan was an American outdoorsman, a fly fisherman, an author, and an illustrator. I want to preface this quote with one thing. The other day, I was in a meeting, and one of the people in the meeting said, Josh comes to this meeting with nothing but his phone, And he looks completely unprepared. And yet I've kind of figured out that he actually is prepared. He has everything he needs on his phone. And the discussion went in the direction of, well, yeah, Josh is a backpacker. And backpackers are all about eliminating the unnecessary. And so that's why Josh comes with nothing but a phone to our meetings. Interesting. This quote from Sheridan Anderson illustrates that backpacking culture that bleeds into every other aspect of my life. He said, backpacking is the art of knowing what not to take. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, then get outside or start planning your next adventure. We'll see you next time on the first 40 miles. Aquamira and the Sawyer Squeeze, or the Sawyer Mini, actually. Did you have the Steripen? And the Steripen. Oh. And it's a method of heating up your food without using heat. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> use heat, but you don't use fire. And we, wa- we wrapped up the Twoop meeting <laughs> with something <laughs> wonderful. Waffles. Draw wisdom. No. Waffles. <laughs>